Hey, everybody. As you may know, we are a part of Kids Listen. It has been a very important organization for this show and for all of the contacts and all of the friends that we have in the kids podcasting world. It is a really, really great organization. It's a nonprofit made up of creators who make and advocate for high quality audio content for kids which probably matters to you if you're listening to this. And right now, Kids Listen is interested in learning from you. So please take a few moments, adults, to fill out a Kids Listen survey. It doesn't take long at all. And you'll be helping us to continue the best podcasts for your family's entertainment and education. We've done it twice. This third one is going to be the biggest and the best. And each time we've really made an impact in the podcasting landscape and sold the idea of kids podcasts to so many people so please help there's a link in the show notes and also you just go to kidslisten.org and you will find it at the top of the page thank you very much welcome to the past and the curious my name is mick sullivan and this is the show that i create for you this is an episode of the underwear chronicles which is a chapter from a book that will be coming out very soon called I See Lincoln's Underpants, but I'm packaging them as podcasts for you in the meantime, because that's how much I care about you, you know? Glad you're out there. So whose underwear are we talking about today? I'm sure you're wondering. Well, the answer is Buzz Aldrin. So we're not talking about any underwear. We are talking about space age undies. Oh man, so much science, so much technology went into these undies and they still didn't do the job that they were supposed to do, unfortunately. A little bit more about that in the show. In the meantime, I hope you enjoy and stay tuned because there's great news about the book coming around the bend. It is in layout now and doing everything we can to get it into your hands as fast as possible. In the 1950s and 1960s, America and the Soviet Union were locked in a heated battle for interstellar dominance known as the space race. Scientists and astronauts, or cosmonauts as they were known in Russia, worked around the clock to get a leg up on each other by getting anything and everything up into orbit. By the tail end of the 1960s, Neil Armstrong would make history with the ultimate accomplishment. But his full-bladdered buddy Buzz Aldrin made history in a very different way. Space Age undies helped carry these men to where no man had gone before. Once there, Buzz really went where no man had gone before. If you know what I mean. Before Aldrin's universal urination, the space race was pretty lopsided. The Soviets were always getting their leg up higher and higher with a constant string of successes and firsts. In 1957, the Soviet Union launched Sputnik, the first satellite. They quickly followed the success of Sputnik by sending the first dog, Laika, to space. America was still struggling to get a satellite of their own into orbit by the time the Russian cosmonaut Yuri Gagarin floated by from outer space. Being the first human to gaze upon Earth from a perch in the cosmos was a clear win, and the cosmonaut certainly had a chance to stick out his tongue as he floated past the American continent on his single pass around the planet. If he had, it would have been another first, a flyby mocking from space. 
Now, there's no proof that Yuri's tongue taunt actually happened, but if the race was a contest of each nation's outer space successes, it's safe to say America was getting whipped harder than butter in a churn. President John Fitzgerald Kennedy wasn't ready to let the Soviet Union spread the United States space program on toast and eat it for breakfast. He made a bold prediction. America would skip right to the biggest, hardest, most seemingly impossible goal. They'd put a man on the moon before the 1960s drew to a close. Considering he made this giant leap of acclaim in 1962, at a time when the Americans hadn't had a ton of successes, the folks at NASA probably spit their morning coffee out over their toast. The president didn't really leave the brainiacs a lot of time. To put it mildly, getting to the moon is a difficult task. There were rockets to build, vast calculations to compute, programs to write, astronauts to train, simulations to undergo, and underwear to design. Luckily, the goal was clear. Walk on the moon. Everything else would just be details to work out along the way. Spoiler alert! NASA would get people to the moon. But President Kennedy would not live to witness the interstellar success. His assassination in 1963 left him six years short of seeing the dream come true. But even in his wildest dreams, he probably never imagined another first that they would accomplish. If he had, he might have rephrased his prediction from We will put a man on the moon to something more like We will put a man on the moon and he will be the first to pee there. Buzz Aldrin was no stranger to flying. Or peeing, for that matter. His dad flew planes during World War I and taught aviation for the United States Army. So when Buzz joined the Air Force in 1947, he was practically joining the family business. He stood out amongst his fellow students, soldiers, and pilots with his aerodynamic understanding and airborne abilities. He was also really smart and great under pressure. These last two were excellent qualities for people to have when auditioning for the new job of astronaut. Also high on the list of ideal traits for would-be astronauts was being able to not puke their guts out while zooming around at 24,000 miles per hour. Buzz was perfect for the job. For the record, Buzz was not his given name. His real name is Edwin. As the story goes, one of his younger siblings couldn't pronounce brother correctly, and instead he referred to Edwin as Buzzer. The family got so used to it that the name kind of stuck. Buzzer became Buzz, and Buzz became an astronaut. Like the rest of America, he eagerly watched as NASA slowly made their way towards the moon. It was baby steps at first. With each of many different missions, new skills were gained and important new information was learned. The first batch of missions was known as Project Mercury. The goal for these missions was to get American astronauts to space, orbit around the Earth, and live to tell the tale. The Mercury program helped scientists envision the technology that it would take to eventually get to the moon, as well as to understand the effects space has on the human body. At the next stage, known as Project Gemini, NASA learned and perfected intricate maneuvers and tasks while pushing the limits of their earthbound engineers and airborne astronauts. Gemini missions lasted longer to help understand how a body would react to remaining in space for weeks at a time. Then, in 1965, the Gemini 4 mission saw the first Americans leave a spacecraft to make a spacewalk. It was a huge moment. 
Of course, Russian cosmonauts beat them to it by floating into the great unknown a full two months before. Undeterred by the string of second-place finishes, NASA kept their eyes on the moon prize. All the other missions had laid the groundwork for the Apollo program, which had the ultimate goal of landing, walking, and maybe even peeing on the surface of the moon. By the time they were ready for the moon mission with the now historic Apollo 11 launch, Buzz Aldrin had earned a seat and was eager for his big moment. Three men would head to space for the mission, but only two would make it to the moon. It was determined that astronaut Michael Collins would need to remain with the main space shuttle. That meant Buzz would be in the lunar module, sharing the cramped space of the secondary vehicle with Neil Armstrong as it detached from the main shuttle and landed on the moon's surface. Every single detail of the mission had to be perfect. NASA doesn't like surprises. A surprise in space means a dead person in space, and a dead person in space means a mummy in space. See, there's no oxygen out there, which is what a body needs to decompose. So with no oxygen or gravity, well, that's how you get floating space mummies. Buzz and Neil were hoping to stay very much alive and non-mummified. One huge detail in the No Mummy Moon master plan was what they would wear. You can't survive space in your jeans. Bad stuff would happen, which is why astronauts wear spacesuits instead. Astronauts enclosed themselves in these uncomfortable shell-like outfits to create a safe atmosphere for their bodies. The suits are pressurized, rigid, and fed with oxygen to breathe. After one of the previous Apollo missions caught fire and killed three men on board, NASA had to take their clothing material choices very seriously. Scientific advancements didn't just extend to rockets and radars. In the 1960s, there were all sorts of new, man-made fabrics that would give future flyers a fair shot at being fire-resistant. But sometimes safety and comfort don't mix, especially when it comes to underwear. Amazing new space-age fabrics were used for nearly everything, but the spacemen got grumpy when they found the new materials pressed against their sensitive space bottoms. Nothing at the time felt as good and allowed the body to breathe and perspire as well as good old-fashioned, but flammable, cotton. So despite it being a potential fire hazard, Buzz and the guys wore cotton underwear. They wore those cotton undies all the time. In fact, they wore them so often that the underwear coveralls were officially called the CWG, or Constant Wear Garment. It took the men 76 hours to make the 240,000-mile journey to the moon. While they sped their way to their lunar destination, the three men didn't have much to do other than hang out in the same underwear that they had shimmied into back on launch day. There was no way to freshen up their wardrobe. Ease of motion was not the biggest consideration when it came to designing the first moon-bound spacecraft. So even if a costume change had been easy, the men had few options. Every ounce of weight mattered, so they didn't bring much else to wear. Obviously, there was no washing machine aboard either. To say the least, the Apollo astronauts had to get very, very comfortable with each other and their CWGs. When Neil and Buzz left their pal Michael Collins in the space shuttle to land the even more cramped and less cozy lunar module on the moon surface, they would finally be able to switch out of their three-day-old undies for more technologically advanced underwear. Meanwhile, through another leap of incredible science, millions of TVs back on Earth tuned in for the once-in-a-lifetime broadcast of the big event. 
When the lunar module landed, the twosome inside had a choice. Take a nap, because they hadn't slept much in the last 24 hours, or go for a moonwalk. Knowing Americans were awake and gathered around their televisions, Buzz and Neil opted to make history in prime time. While Americans were watching back on Earth and waiting for the dramatic moment to unfold, there was a painfully slow, choreographed dance of dress-up going on inside that no one could see. Hidden inside the lunar lander, the men spent an anticlimactic three hours getting dressed in their special gear and revolutionary moon suits. Despite the cramped quarters, the pair was comfortable enough with each other to finally take off their CWGs and change into a different kind of underwear. Liquid-cooled long johns. These weren't too different from long underwear we wear down on Earth, but the space versions had some additions to keep the body temperature low while they were working in heavy suits and an extreme environment. Small tubes were sewn into the fabric, connecting key points all over the body. And inside these tubes, water was constantly cycled around the underwear. The water worked as a conductor to help keep body temperatures cool by absorbing body heat. As the water passed through the special device in the suit, it was re-cooled before heading back out through the tubes to do it all again. This wasn't the only kind of tube in the suit, though. There was also a pee tube. Stop and think about it for a second. Whatever your mind conjures up is probably pretty close to the actual thing. It was a practical solution to a real problem. Where does the pee go when nature calls? Thanks to this device, when an astronaut let loose, the pee would travel through the tube into a collection bag. The bag would be removed and simply left in space. Just as before, every ounce of weight was going to count for the return journey. Besides, no one wanted it back on Earth. It was a great design, but unfortunately, Buzz encountered a problem. The landing of the lunar module had gone smoothly, but there were unforeseen complications with the ladder that they lowered to the desolate moonscape. Earthbound viewers might not have noticed, but on his descent, Neil was surprised to discover that the last rung of the ladder was still three feet from the lunar surface. This was unexpected, but it didn't stop him. After a brief pause, he jumped down and soon spoke his famous words about small steps and giant leaps. Those first moments on the moon were an incredible culmination of decades of work, sacrifice, and science. President Kennedy would have been very proud. Not far behind, Buzz made his way down the ladder to make a little history of his own. Neil warned him that the last step was a doozy, but Buzz still stretched a bit too far as he put his foot down, eager to become only the second moonwalker. The stretch resulted in a small tear. Fortunately, the tear was inside the spacesuit and not out, because remember, that's how you get floating space mummies. Unfortunately, it was the urine containment bag that Buzz had torn. Buzz had a lot on his mind when nature inevitably came calling. He probably didn't even think about those millions of eyes watching when he let loose. It's not as if they could have known anyway. The big suit did offer plenty of privacy. So, with the world watching, he secretly peed the first pee on the moon. And that pee never made it to his torn urine collection bag. Instead, it wound up floating inside the leg of his spacesuit. Thanks again, everybody. My name is Mick Sullivan. This has been The Past and the Curious. 
The Underwear Chronicles, episode Buzz Aldrin. And um, yeah, the book should be out uh, this winter. Don't know if we'll see it before the holidays, maybe. Depends on a lot of things. But it is in layout now, which is very exciting. And um, we're making great progress. And I'm excited that it will be very, very soon. So I will let you know about that. That means, of course, that there are only two more episodes of The Underwear Chronicles still to come to you. There is more to the book that uh, won't come in the podcast form. And uh, when the book comes out, though, I'm going to have a special underwear episode of The Past and the Curious, I think, that are stories that aren't in the book. So we're just going to have underwear stories all over the place because I've been having a lot of fun with it. I hope you have, too. And don't forget... All you adults and grown groans or grown ups or whatever you want to be called. I like grown groans. That's what I call myself. You can find the Kids Listen survey at kidslisten.org. It's right there at the top of the homepage. It'll be up until mid November, is how long it's going to be open. It would really be helpful. It's really crucial information for us to understand how families use podcasts and a whole bunch of other things that are kind of wrapped in there, which um, we're working with a really, really great data data analyst. Um, and uh, she is an absolute, absolute wizard with that sort of stuff and will give us really, really solid, really crucial information that's going to help individual shows. It's going to help shows that have yet to become shows. It's going to help shows sustain and prolong. And um, all of that stuff is really important and it really matters to us who are creators. So if you have the time and you have the interest and you have something to say, or you just want to report how you use podcasts, then please, please, please find it, do it, won't take long, and we will be ever so grateful. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you very soon before Halloween. Adios.